Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. For those who don't have a clue why I'm getting loads of tissues offered, um, it is exactly what Desi just said, the, the sweetness of the presence of God. In the past, what's it now, five, six years, coming up to six years in December, since the Lord um, answered my prayer for more of him, um, it has definitely been a, th- a theme where there was a lot of emotion, but I've learned to embrace it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't apologise for it. Yeah. I would that more men cried in the yes. Prince of God. But that's a whole other story for another day. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, just a quick one, actually. Um, thank you guys for your support of uh, Refuge, obviously the track that we released on the 24th of September. 24th August, featuring my lovely wife on the vocals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It it was definitely a team effort to get that song out. Um, And the process is is never perfect. There's always things you can do better or whatever, but the Lord was really on my case about really honouring the moment that we were in um, as the first release from this church. and like I said before, we don't, we don't initiate revival, do we? We inherit revival. So as much as it was the first release, it was on the back of 34 years of momentum um, in this church. Worship, worship, worship. Songs being written, songs being discarded, songs being sung real loud, um, et cetera, et cetera. So thanks for the messages I've got from some of you, you know, and, and some of the testimonies. And um, we did do it at um, DT. And probably next month, um, I won't preach. I'll just ask people to share testimony from DT because it would take a whole session, if not more, to do that. Um, but yeah, we, we did do it as our last song at, at DT and, and the Lord definitely visited the place at 7.30 in the morning. Um, <clears throat> uh, we saw DT being David's tent, for those who don't know. Sorry. <laughs> My mother just corrected me. Always stay humble. Stay, stay in submission. Um, yeah, David's tent. We did do it, and the Lord visited, and Denise started leading people and healing the sick, and um, we had testimonies of angels being seen, all sorts of stuff on that song. So keep listening. Um, before I move on, because I will forget, I would like Tommy to come forward. Tommy wants to pray for a particular individual. Kellen, can we borrow you? She's looking at me like, what? So there is a tradition in this house, okay? Um, and, and definitely when you go, when you get to a certain age um, and you are released from children's church, um, we definitely always invite um, Tommy to come and just pray. Tommy's been leading children's ministry here for that many years. Um, but it's an incredible um, honour to have him not only lead the children, inspire the children but also pray and release them into their next phase so we're going to encourage them to do that the mic, the mic live and um yeah let's just stretch our hands guys i just um can I just say something yeah yeah go for it this is not for you kellen all right i've got to say this about this young man over there and then we're going to pray for you because i'm going to be yeah, yeah. Right, you don't you don't know me for madam <laughs> but when you walk through the door it's as if i've got a whiff my name's Tommy. Um, as you walk through the door, I just heard this word separation. And 
and uh, I don't know, it, I just, it just came, I'm going to say how it is. It's, as you get yourself focused on the Lord, he's going to take all distractions away from you. And I'm going to stick my neck out and say there's going to be a change coming. And it, it's going to be just a change of direction. And where the direction you, you expect you think you're going is going to be completely different from where you are right now. So like I said, I don't know if Madam, I know Abby knows you. So I just really want to do that. So Lord, I just thank you for Craig. I just leave that with him. And I'm just going to keep it simple, Father, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. So, um, yeah, I know, I know Kellen now for, um, since she's baby height. And uh, it's, I just want to say it's been a real uh, honor um, to teach Kellen in all these years. Um, I just thank God for her parents because of, you know, the input that they've given into her life. And we do, we praise God for that. Um, and yeah, it is a tradition of those who don't know where we just, uh, we do, we pray for the children and release them. And I always, I always believe that it's a really holy thing. I really believe that, you know what, that God releases grace into different phases of our lives. And I just believe there's a, a, there is an added grace coming into your life, Kellen. And what I'm about to say has sat with me for nearly a year. All right? It comes at the most oddest times. So I'm going to pray for you. I know it's been recorded. So some of the stuff that's been said right now isn't for now. Okay? But I just, I got a sense in my heart. Um, over a year ago, I'd even go back as far as when we was in the um, Regent's Park. We was up there, Great Portland Street. I saw a picture of you, Kellen. And I saw, the only way I can put it, and I'm going to mention the bridge as well. I saw you walking over Blackfriars Bridge, and I saw you like you was dressed in a suit. That's the only way I'm going to put it, and you was walking over there as if you was working in the city. And since that time, things got, I felt like, got added. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to speak. And some of it may not understand right now, but mum and dad, I really believe, will help you out. And a lot about what I feel I'm going to say isn't for school when you are at school even though I believe there's going to be a build-up in school that's going to prepare you when you leave school. But I saw you in a boardroom. I saw you as a woman in a boardroom amongst men. And I saw you in a boardroom amongst men that were all white men. And white men that didn't want to hear what you had to say. And before you went into that situation, it was like you was in trepidation. But as you walked in, it's as if like God's grace and God's power brought you there. And you was able to handle the situation that was in front of you. And I believe, Kellen, you know what? There's going to be things that are going to come in your life where God's going to put you in places like where you're going to have to be strong. The, the scripture that came to me was to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And I believe that God is doing that and he's preparing you for some stuff that is way beyond. And like I said, I'm sticking my neck out here, all right? But, the, but God has graced you in a certain way. And I see you being in... I, Kellen, I'm going to say something to you now, right? That will, may only make sense later. But there's a lot of men that's going to find it hard what you've got to say to them. They're not going to want to hear what you've got to say because God's going to put an authority in you that they're not going to like what you because of that and the position he's going to put you in. All right? But that's fine because if it's the Lord, it doesn't matter what they think, okay? All right? So, Eileen, where's Auntie Eileen? You Eileen? So, Eileen's here as well. And the reason why I brought up Eileen is because Eileen a, a, has had a, an input in your life as well in teaching the boys and girls. So, I'm just going to pray right now. Father, I just thank you for this time, and I, I do, I just thank you, Lord, for Kellen, and I thank you, Father, for what you're doing. I just pray as she enters into this new stage of life, in her new school, Father, that, Lord, that you are just preparing her for stuff ahead. I thank you that already that you are building your strength in her, that you are causing her to be strong. 
I thank you, Lord, that you know that you will take her places at times, even where she may not want to go, but you will be the one who brings her there. But you'll also give her the strength inside of her to lead her and guide her. Father, I do thank you for the word of God that's been placed in her. And I pray more than anything now, as she moves into the next stage of her life, that she has a real clarity and a, a real clearness of closeness with the Lord and that she really hears his voice, Father. I thank you, Father, right now as she goes and she enters in even to a new school, that, Father, that no uh, distraction is going to pull her away from the things of God. That, Father, that you will give her friends, Lord, godly or ungodly, but friends, Father, that will cause her to do what's right and not what's wrong. Father, and I do, I just thank you in this period. I thank you, Lord. I know what I believe you shared in my heart is way out, but I'm just having to be obedient to what I... There's no way this could have come to my mind. So, Father, I just thank you for that. And I do thank you right now, Lord, that you watch over her. I thank you that when those times appear before her, that you'll bring back to her remembrance what I'm saying right now so that she'll know that it wasn't just me just talking fancy in a... In a uh, in front of a congregation father but lord that it all makes sense to her at that time and father i do thank you i just pray father right now for an increased grace on her life lord just a, a just a supernatural grace on her life lord that, that, that she'd even sense it father father in the name of jesus i just thank you for that lord in jesus name and eileen if you can just finish and pray right, i didn't know i was going to say anything this morning like Ken, I've known you since you've been here, and I've seen you grown up into a, a lovely lady. And for the next chapter in your life, I know God's going to be there for you every step of the way. With your parents back in there, always behind you, you are going to be a blessing to all those people that you meet. You're, you have such a love inside of you for people. I've seen it with the young children where you take care of them. You can continue to do that. And I believe that when you see children at school, you're going to be the kind of person at school who's going to be not with the crowd but you can be with the you can be with the children who are kind of left behind I see that I see that on your heart I think that's on your heart for I really believe that Kellen and I pray God for you have a blessing on your life as you move forward as you go further into your education more blessing onto your life and I cover you to pressure above the lamb from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. And I pray this in your, in your mighty name. You go from strength to strength as you go older and older. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so what we did, we um, on behalf of the, the children's ministry, and I will include Eileen and anyone who's had any involvement in your, your, your spiritual growth, at least the CCF, we decided as a team to buy you a journal. Because we felt you would at some point choose the Bible that you want. Normally we, we, we give Bibles to the kids. But, you know, I just felt in my heart that you would know what you want to buy as a Bible or have. So I really feel that, believe it, it's Dave and Lorna Martin's book, actually, believe it. I couldn't believe when I ordered it, but that's another story. But this is for you, all right? And this is a gift. And all I just want to encourage you is that when you get that moment when you're praying, right, and, and you are praying, and uh, you, you just feel like to just journal something down. It's there, all right. It's a girly book, and I'm really, I'm really happy with this. Actually, I'm because I don't like giving wishy washy out, or we buy for you. So I'm really excited about this, and yeah, we're, we're excited for you. And just one other little thing, as we, as, as Dave preaches, you're always welcome back in children's ministry. All right, you are welcome as a guest, and as you get older, you're welcome to even get involved in teaching the kids. I'm giving that opening to you right now, all right? So I'm just letting you know that door is wide open. 
Köszönöm. Amen, amen, amen. Um, one more thing before I get started. Um, so like I said, so Refuge is, is out. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff. But there are other releases from the worship team that I want to mention. Um, Nate Thomas, um, he's released a podcast. Um, it's called We Got Mail. Um, and it is focused around manhood, malehood. Um, and he's released that um, very quietly. But um, he did give me permission to, to share with you guys today. Um, please check it out. If you're a man, listen to it. Um, if you're a man, take notes. Um, if you're a woman, share it with the closest man next to you as a little gift, a little hint. You know, women like to leave hints. Um, maybe just send a quick link. Um, I think it is on Spotify as well. And also, my beloved sister has a project out, um, which, again, just incredible uh, to listen to. It's, it's called Romanced, um, in brackets, Note to Self. Um, and I believe we all need... Um, a note to self about the romance that we are in with Christ. Um, and having listened to um, a few of the tracks on there, um, I knew some of them from before, but it definitely summarises in song the message of beloved identity um, and pursuit. So go check out the Boer Power and the Benefactors romanced note to self. Maybe we'll send out a link in an email. So yeah. It's an album. It's an album. Some music. Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will send out these details. We will send out these details. Um, oh, okay. Daryl, we might need to push the levels up a little bit. Or is it... One, two, 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 two. All good? Is that better? Perfect. Father, we give you praise, we give you glory. We thank you for another opportunity to get into your word. Um, we thank you that to gaze upon you is the highest um, honour that we have in life. And as we gaze upon you, as we behold you, we become more like you, more like our original design, <laughs> to be sons and daughters of the living God. Why? Because this world needs us. Creation is waiting for us. The ground itself is moaning and groaning in anticipation for us to step out in the power um, of the name of Jesus. And so we invite you, Lord Jesus, to come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, to reveal Christ in our midst. Come, Lord Jesus, to reveal the love of the Father in our midst. We thank you. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but I was excited after last week's service watching those videos. I like watching A.A. Allen, Benny Hinn. Uh, pick one. I watched quite a few of them throughout the week. Um, and to experience and to, to have a taste of what the Lord is about to do in our midst. Like Deji said, revival is around the corner. I would I'll pretty much say it's here. It's here. Um, and I'll share more on that maybe next month, um, should the Lord allow me. Today, the topic is the question of eternal life. The question of eternal life. Um, I chuckled to myself and I, I showed Denise the title when Pastor was talking about timing and eternity last week. 
um, I had the title from before, but as ever, the Lord, you know, took his time to kind of flesh it out for me. Um, <clears throat> I have a simple instruction today. He said, teach and then wait. So I may move a little bit quicker than I usually do, but that's because one is getting on in time. And also I would like to allow time for him to come and just rest on the word after. Let's see what happens. Um, I may stop it even short should he prompt me. Um, the question of eternal life. On May 15th, 2019, for those of you who don't know, that's my birthday. Okay. May 15th, I was there and, you know, I'd just woken up. And I went downstairs to pray. And it was my 30th birthday. So I said, okay, Lord, what's this about? I'm turning 30. Everyone's telling me I'm getting texts saying, hey, you're going into your Jesus years. I was like, okay, let's hope it doesn't end in three years' time. But I'm going into my Jesus years. I'm 30 years old now. Um, what is this about? And the Lord said to me, he said, well, first and foremost, I want you to change how you see your life. I said, okay, what do you mean by that? He said, I want you to see your life in decades and not years. I said, okay, that's interesting. And part of that was because there were various dreams and promises that the Lord has given me that I was holding on to from a very uh, temporal time perspective. And so there was a temptation for me to say, Lord, how comes it hasn't happened yet? How comes it hasn't come to pass yet? And the Lord was like, if you see yourself in 10-year bunches, you'll have a bit more patience. So that was the first um, lesson that he taught me on that day. And then I'm still praying. It was a few hours um, worth of prayer. And I said, okay, Lord, so what's, what's my word for the decade? And he said, John 15. I said, which one? Which part? And he said, verse 4. So he said, abide. And he began to teach me, and he has been teaching me, um, what it means to abide in the presence of God. Okay, so all these, all the messages you've heard recently, <clears throat> the increased grace upon my life has been a product of this ever-increasing journey, which I don't intend to necessarily finish in the next six years now, um, but it is something that I am I'm learning and leaning into. So I want this as a context for what I'm about to say, okay? So... Dwell in, dwell in me and I will dwell in you. This is what the scripture says. Live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in, being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. A couple of months later, I was in church and I was playing. This was back at Great Portland Street. And I went into a solo on, on a song. I can't remember what song it was. And someone came up to me after and said, I've got a word for you as is the custom here in this church. So I said, oh, okay, share it, you know, go for it. And they said, do you know what scripture you were playing whilst you were soloing? I was like, no, nah, I didn't get any impression. And then they took out their phone and said, here, John 15, 4. It's the most incredible confirmation I've ever had. So I know the Lord has been impressing on my heart this challenge to abide, to learn how to abide, to live your life 24-7 with him. I actually bought a book Recently, I can't remember the old school father who wrote it called um, The Practice of the Presence of God. Um, it's a very thin book by, I can't remember Brother, Brother Lawrence, that's it. Um, yeah, first couple of pages, it's deep. Can we go to John, 1 John, 1 John 5, verse 10. We're going to read, we're going to bounce between um, different books uh, diff different of uh, parts of John's writing. So we're going to start in 1 John 
5, we're going to go 10 to 13, and we're going to go into um, the Gospel of John. And we're just going to just compare and contrast a few ideas. Uh, let me get it up here. First John 5. So verse 10. <clears throat> it says, He who believes in the Son of God, who adheres to, trusts in and relies on him, has the testimony, possesses this divine attestation within himself. He who does not believe God in this way has made him out to be and represented him as a liar because he has not believed, put his faith in, adhered to and relied on the evidence, testimony that God has borne regarding his son. Verse 11, and this is the testimony, that evidence. God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who possesses the son has that life. He who does not possess the son of God does not have that life. Verse 13 is where we're going to part just for a little moment. I write this to you who believe in, adhere to, trust in and rely on the name of the Son of God in the peculiar services and blessings conferred on, by him on men so that you may know with settled and absolute knowledge that you already have life. Yes, eternal life. So it's, a, it's a meaty passage. I, I was... The Lord told me about two months ago to meditate on First John 5. Um, and in, in the lead up to David's 10, actually, that was one of the scriptures he gave me. So it says here, I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Right? You believe in what it says here, the peculiar services and blessings conferred by him on men. What are these peculiar services and blessings? It is the peace that passes all understanding. It is... The, the absolute conviction we have that he is the son of God. It is our salvation. It is our freedom from judgment. It's our freedom from condemnation. It is things like divine healing, divine health. Okay. These are the peculiar services and blessings that Christ has, which are conferred upon them who believe in him. Are, does anyone here believe on him? Mm -hmm. So you have access to these peculiar services and blessings. Okay. It's like me. I have a bank, with, I'm banking with Santander. Um, for the most part, they've been good to me. In the early years, we had a few issues, but here we are. Um, if I walked into Barclays tomorrow and I took my card out and I went and put my card in and put in my PIN number, I would not be able to access the money from Barclays. It would have to come from Santander. It's my checking account that releases those funds. There's a certain services that I can access through Santander that I can't access in Barclays, Right? I could walk up to the cashier and I could have £10 million in, in the bank and she's looking for my account number and she's like, it's not there. You're in the wrong place. But if I go into Santander, then it's nice and smooth. Here's your £10 million, sir. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I've got a building to pay for. <laughs> right? In a similar way, if you're in Christ, okay, Colossians 3 talks about it, doesn't it? If you are in Christ, if your life is hidden in Christ, you have access to some peculiar services and blessings. So do not be astounded, my friends, when you walk into work and people look at you as if you're strange because you have something peculiar about you. I believe one of the uh, renders of the word holy is that aspect of being peculiar, okay? And we shouldn't shy away from that. You know, and, and as, as the years have gone on working where I work, 
I have learned to become a little bit more bold about some of these things. And I, I'm very honest, with, especially with some of the, the young people who challenge me on my faith. And I say, look, I'm different to you. I'm just different. You know, I have a different reaction to the news. I have a different reaction to financial ruin. I have a different reaction to sickness. I have a different reaction to all these things than you're ever going to see somewhere else. And then he asked me what that difference is. And I point to these peculiar services, these peculiar blessings. You know, I always share the story. And, and I'm not saying you, you go around and start being foolish with it. But um, one time coming back into the, into the start of term, and, you know, one of my colleagues, she had a bit of a sniffle. You know, in, when you work in a school, you get used to the pattern. There's a sniffle at the beginning of the, sum, of the autumn term. There's a Christmas sniffle. There's an Easter one. Right? The kids just spread those germs like, hey, you know, like wildfire. So, you know, she had a bit of a sniffle and, and you know, I came in and gave her a hug. I said, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I've got, I got, I got the leggies. <laughs> and in the moment, I was like, I said, I said, love, don't worry about it. I said, if anything, what's on me will get on you. Yeah. And she was like, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm, I said, I'm a Christian. I said, if anything, you're going to get healed as opposed to me getting sick. Yeah. And it stuck with her. She mentions it every so often, you know. Yeah. But these are the things that the peculiar services and blessings that we have access to. But it speaks here about having, you know, we have to put our faith in these things okay verse 10 it says he who believes in the son of god who adheres to trust in and relies on him has the testimony earlier in the chapter it talks about there was a testimony in earth on earth and there was a testimony in heaven okay and so wherever you look you can see testimony to the son of god we need to believe these things jesus correctly revealed inspires the faith to believe and thus inherit eternal life. Okay? But what is eternal life? I'm not going to do a canvas of opinion. I don't want to make anyone feel a certain way, but I will go into the Greek. Eternal life, the word for eternal, um, I'm going to spell it because I don't know how to pronounce it. And it's spelled A-I-O-N-I-O-S. Okay? For those of you that have a Strong's commentary on on your phone or whatever, you'll be able to, to see that. So A-I-O-N-I-O-S. Ionius, we'll go with that, okay? Ionius, okay, which is eternal. And then you have life, zoe, okay? Now, I'm just going to read this quickly. Uh, the zoe life, which we know from John 10.10, 10, is the abundant life or the life of fullness, Okay? And Aeonius speaks to that which has always been and always will be. So when you put the two words together, Aeonius Zoe is the abundance and fullness that has always been and always will be. So this eternal life that you have been, that you've inherited is an abundance and fullness that has always been and always will be. It is both now as it was yesterday as it will be tomorrow. Let's go to John 17, 3. John 17, 3. And I've, I've, I've 
taught from this uh, before. This is Jesus praying, okay? So we have here um, the Lord's Prayer. This is the actual Lord's Prayer, okay? It's one of the, you know, there are different uh, times where Jesus prays where it's, it's noted down, but this is probably the most extensive one. Okay, a whole chapter given over to the Lord, to the Lord praying. Now, as you can imagine, remember, Jesus prayed without the significance of sin. What do I mean by that? Is that, you know, when we pray, we pray with the context of having left sin behind and walking into his grace. And sometimes in those times where we are um, maybe in a bit of trouble or whatever, when you're praying, you feel the weight of maybe guilt, shame that you have to press through, you know, the whole kind of you know, forgiveness, whatever the case may be. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just part of our journey as we are still in the flesh. Jesus never felt that. There was never a moment he opened his mouth to pray where he questioned whether he was separate from God. What would it be like if you prayed and you never questioned if you were separate from God? That at not even one millisecond of doubt that the moment you opened up your mouth, he hears you. Probably start raising the dead like Lazarus. What did Jesus say? He said, Father, I know that you have heard me. John 17, 3. So this is Jesus praying. If this is Jesus praying, we should probably pay attention to it. It says, and this is eternal life. Can someone, an English teacher in the room, uh, just remark, what is that thing just between eternal life and the square bracket? It's a colon. Okay. Now, if you put a colon in there, it means that you're about to now describe the thing that came before. So if we are going to use this phrase eternal life, the aeonius zoe, right, the fullness and abundance, which has always been and always will be, let's look at how Jesus himself defines it. And I hope that after we read Jesus' definition, we do not go to any other definition. It would be unfair to do that. It's literally in the book. You don't have to listen to your favourite preacher to hear this. You don't even have to listen to me to hear this. You can read it for yourself. I remember reading this back in 2010. I was in my university, um, the house where I was living at uni, and the Lord said, read John 17. I'd read it so many times because it's one of my favourite chapters. And I was like, oh, I know what's in there. He said, read it again. I read it and I got to verse 3 and I was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen this. What is eternal life? It means... To know, to perceive, recognize, become acquainted with and understand you, the only true and real God. And likewise to know him, Jesus, as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah whom you have sent. Classical theology, classical Christianity would teach you that eternal life is about this time that starts the moment we close our eyes for the final time here on earth and then we get into this mystic something, something, something which goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. ever. Jesus says, okay, I hear that, but I'm going to build on that. Eternal life actually is knowing the Father, the only true and real God, and to know Christ, Jesus as the Christ. So at what point does eternal life start? Does it start when I die or does it start when I get saved? Thank you. Starts when I get saved. So how many of us are already living in eternal life? Is it therefore fair for you to subject God and his promises to time when he's already released you into eternity? 
It's a question. This is eternal life. This is Jesus talking. This is not, I want to hammer home this point because so many times I've shared this with people and they go, yeah, I hear that, but we don't have the chance and the choice to say but when Jesus is giving you a definition. This is, I'm not, I haven't put any, any, any modern day spin on it. This is straight from the Greek, right? The Greek word to know is the word genosko, okay, which means to have experience of having lived life out with, okay? This is eternal life. It is to have experience of having lived life out with the only true and real God. And likewise, to have experience of having lived life out with Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, whom you, the Father, have sent. So eternal life was never just about an extended time period. Rather, it is the ever-increasing revelation of the Father and his only begotten Son. So if you can confidently say, that you are in this eternal, that you are in this relationship, this continuous revelation, like I'm always talking about, this continuous revelation of the Father, continuous revelation of His Son, that you can confidently say, I am now living in eternal life. So those promises and those things, those scriptures that we always place after death, are for now. This is why Jesus and, and the scriptures had the confidence to say, um, as He is, so are we in this world and in the world to come. There's so many scriptures where you have that tension that says, in this world and in the world to come, both now and forevermore. How can something be both now and forevermore? It can be if it is rooted, okay, in the knowledge of the Father. If it's rooted in the knowledge of his only begotten Son, let there be light. (laughs) I'll pay you next time. The question that came to me this weekend as I was just finishing up my notes, I thought they were finished, but God obviously had a different plan. Is this, this um, knowledge of the Father, this continuous revelation of the Father, this um, having experience of having lived life out with, is this the perichoresis? You remember the word perichoresis from John 1, I uh, talked about it. Peri means perimeter or, or circle. Choresis means dance, choreograph, where we get the word choreo and choreograph from. So we have this circle dance. For those who, weren't, who don't know what I'm talking about, in John 1 it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. The, the word there, with, is the word pros in, in the Greek, P-R-O-S. It means face to face. So our conventional idea of the Trinity is that God's standing here, Jesus at his right hand, and the Holy Spirit is somewhere around dancing and making some islands or something, right? But actually, when you study it out, this perichoresis, you see that they live in this trio, in this dance, this continuous dance exchange of love, okay? And it's, that has always existed for all of eternity, right? That which has always been and always will be. So they have this trio, and out of that you hear, let us make man in our own image. So man is created in Gen- Genesis 1.26 and placed in that dance. And so what Adam and Eve were experiencing before the fall was the circle dance, the rhythm of his love, that is continuous exchange, 
No one is higher than the other. It's just love, receiving love, exchanging love, receiving love, exchanging love, giving love, demanding love, receiving love. It's this incredible circle dance of love. So this eternal life that Jesus is speaking about, is this the perichoresis? Is this the circle dance into which we have been re-entered by Christ? Where the Trinity exists in a perfect, suspended and eternal gaze. A rhythmic exchange of love without end. The same rhythmic exchange that birthed man in Genesis 1.26 and that which we have been reconciled into. Okay, so we have been given back into this circle dance. If you remember what I said on the 19th of February this year, um, I shared a message called um, Beloved, Behold, Become. What you behold, you become. What you behold, you become. So, when it says this is eternal life, to know, and it gives you this example here, to perceive, recognise, become acquainted with and understand... As I am beholding the Father and his Son, I become like the Father and his Son. Now, it sounds sacrilegious, and there was a religious cow somewhere um, hurting as, as it's being slaughtered in that, that thought, that I might become like the Father and his Son. I'm going to let that sit. Because everywhere I ever share this, you feel the tension because people say, yeah, amen, because they know it's true. It's in there in the scripture so many times. And yet, you start to think about your own life or you start to think about human existence and there's no way you can reconcile how human existence could ever match up to like father, like son. That's good. It's not your job to do that. The Holy Spirit does that bit. All we have to do is just believe. I remember years ago, um, Deb's sister sent me that scripture in John 6, I think, where one of the disciples says, um, Rabbi, what must we do that we may see, blah, 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 whatever it is. <laughs> Jesus just says, just only believe. I'd never seen that scripture before in my life. And she sent it to me, and it absolutely messed me up. I, can, I remember where I was on that bunk bed in that house, and I was there, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's incredible. That the only thing I have to do is just believe. And as we saw in 1 John 5, when I believe I inherit eternal life, eternal life means to live in this constant knowing and engaging with, with Christ and, and, and the Father, this intimacy. And we know from John 14 and 15 and 16 that the way that it happens in our lives is through the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit was sent to open up those, um, the revelation of Christ in our lives. And likewise, Christ came to reveal the Father. So now, John 3.16, maybe it reads a little bit differently. We don't even need to turn there. We all know it, don't we? Come on. For God so loved the world that he... So that... Shall have... What will they have? Eternal life. So what are they going to be doing? It will say... That they, they shall not perish, but they shall know, perceive, recognize, become acquainted with, and understand you, the only true and real God, and know him, Jesus, the Christ, whom you have sent. But like David, that's not in, no, it is. When it says eternal life, 
Jesus already defined it, so now we can put his definition in the scripture. So John 3.16 is not just about not dying. And we have spent thousands of years with this limited revelation of what John 3.16 was all about. Remember, John 3.16, he was talking to um, Nicodemus, wasn't he? Yes. Right? For, for years, I didn't even know that. Because right? I didn't read the whole thing, I just knew the scripture. <laughs> Context. He's talking to Nicodemus. He's talking to a man of the scripture, a man, a Pharisee, right? So he knew the word inside out. And he says to him, if you believe, you're not going to perish and you'll be thrown into this constant, continual revelation of the Father. Speaking to a man who would have walked around and people would have thought he knew who the Father was. And he said, no, 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 you don't. This is what you must do to know the Father. This is what it actually means to have eternal life. This is not about paradise. It's not about heaven. It's not about that. All these things are included in the package. But on the address on the, the package is that you may know the Father. The word there, perish, um, or in, in other um, stronger translations, it, it talks about destroy. It's the word apolumi. A-double-P-O-L-U-M-I. Uh, okay, Strong's number 622. <laughs> Just in case you want to know. Uh, Vines, okay, so Vines commentary, I believe it is, defines this word, apolumi, defines it as uh, to destroy utterly. To perish. The idea is not extinction, but it's ruin and loss. Not of being, but of well-being. Okay? The continued intimate revelation and knowledge of the Father, eternal life, releases us from the curse of ruin and loss. I believe this is what Abraham and Moses discovered as they lived lives of friendship with God. Indeed, it is said of Moses that even in his old age, his eye had not dimmed, neither had his strength waned. Could it be that his intimate relationship with the Father had so infused his natural body that it staved off physical ruin and physical loss? Consider Enoch, another who gave himself over to intimacy. He did not suffer, suffer the ultimate ruin of death. Or even consider Joshua, who in Exodus 33 is revealed to be a man who thirsts for the presence of God. If you don't know the story, it talks about how Moses would go into the tabernacle and would speak with God face to face as if speaking with, as a man would speak with his friend. And then it says that Moses would leave the tent and return to the camp. And then it says that and Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain in the tent even after Moses. So Moses is there face to face with God. He leaves and Joshua's like, I haven't had enough yet. Let me stay. Could it be that this is the reason why he has no record of any military not loss noted against him? All these Old Testament figures who were given over to intimacy, they staved off ruin and loss. They did not perish. Even though, yes, they died in the flesh, they lived beyond perishing. They lived beyond destroying. They lived beyond ruin and beyond loss because they knew the Father. And as we now 
are moved into, we now know the Son. With this definition of eternal life, let's go back to 1 John. So 1 John 5. Thirteen. Okay, we'll start at thirteen again. I write this to you who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the name of the Son of God, in the peculiar services and blessings conferred by Him on men, so that you may know, with settled and absolute knowledge, that you already have life, yes, eternal life. What happens next? What comes next? Read. What's the next few words? What happens when you know, with settled and absolute knowledge that you have eternal life? What comes next? Confidence. Scripture goes on to say, and this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness. Can we just, the privilege of boldness. There is a privilege attached to boldness. <laughs> we talked about it once. Um, walk tall, walk strong. If you want to convince anyone of, of anything, of any level of competence, walk tall, walk strong. If you walk into that boardroom, head held high, even if you don't have a clue what's going on. You walk in there with a little bit of, how you doing, you right? How you doing? Good handshake. You sit in that seat, and immediately they kind of go, oh, okay, all right, okay, cool. If you try to slide in, sorry guys, I'm just going to, that, is that free for me? No, it's answering why maybe you didn't get that job. Right? Let's, let's, let's have the privilege of boldness. I say it all the time, do you not know who I am? Do you, like, come on guys, let's, let's reconcile this within ourselves. If I am who I am, if I am who he says I am, then I can square my shoulders a bit and walk with a boldness into whatever situation I go into. When sickness knocks on my door, I open that door and say, what do you want? You looking for me? Do you know? (laughs) Hey, this is not going to be an easy battle for you. This is not going to be, you're not going to win this one. Because I'm not like every other house on my road. The Prince of the Lord lives here. Amen. The Spirit of the Most High lives here. Is it Colossians? I quote it all the time. Colossians 2, uh, 9 and 10. Talking about Jesus, it says, In him had the fullness of the Godhead. Verse 10 then says, And in you too, you have the fullness of the Godhead. I have every iota of godhead that they can ever find if you found an iota of godhead in alaska that's also within me mm-hmm. whatever aspect of the holy spirit you can find anywhere in in scripture is also in me that's why i just i walk different i talk different i act different not because i have any sort of confidence in myself it's because I've spent the past five, six years knowing the Father and his Son whom he has sent. And out of that eternal life that I'm now living, this is the confidence and the privilege of boldness that I could say to a mountain, be thou moved, 
and watch it be moved. It's going to move. There is no longer a choice. There's no longer another option. This is the way it must be. Okay? I'm belaboring the point. Because I think, if I'll be honest, and this has just come to me, the Lord is sick of us adopting any sort of victim mentality in this church. Woe is me, get it out. That was yesterday's revelation. We don't have the opportunity anymore to be like, oh yeah, but... It would be nice if we had a building or if we did this or if we had this amount of money or if we did. We are gazing into the eyes of the Father. We know him and his son. So there is a privilege of boldness. Preach it, David. <laughs> I didn't even get through the whole scripture. Privilege of boldness which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything make any request according to his will in agreement with his own plan he listens to and hears us and if since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted as our present possessions the request made of him I mean boy that is a scripture off. So the privilege of boldness is such that if I ask anything of him, the first thing that I need to, the first bridge to cross, does he listen to me? Sometimes when you're praying, if we can be real, you pray and it sounds like it just literally reverbed off, off the ceiling and came back to you. And you could feel like that. But even if you feel like that, he listens. Amen. I've learned to stop defining my prayer life and, and whether it worked or not, whether I feel like it really broke through based on what I feel, because feelings are temporal. Yeah. Scripture tells me this. The confidence I have is not because I got the shivers when I prayed for you or when I, when I preached or I felt this and, and there was a whoo through the room. I don't need all that. If it happens, it's nice. Right? My confidence it's because I have eternal life. Because I know him and I know his son, it then breeds a confidence that I know the moment I pray, he listens. So now that I've crossed that bridge and I know that he listens as I'm praying according to his will, the next challenge is, okay, well, will I actually get that which I've asked for? And the scripture says that we could positively know that he listens to us and we also know, and it says, with settled and absolute knowledge. Do you know what absolute is? Absolute is absolute. Right? When you jump, do you go up into the air or do you come back to the ground? And then you come back to the ground. Right? Gravity. That's an absolute. You cannot fight it. I don't care how athletic you are. I don't care how many years you've been in the gym. I don't care if you just won triple jump gold in the Olympics two times over. When you go up, you will come back down. It is an absolute. When I pray... I have what I have. It's an absolute. It's an absolute. Now, you're okay with believing that gravity is an absolute because you've got evidence. Because the last time I jumped, I came back down. I saw everyone else jump and they came back down. We've got evidence. It's a whole book of it. Time and time again. Do you know, do you know 
I, I say this in my prayers often, there has never been a moment in human history where he has failed. It's like the ridiculous amount of advantage you can have. There has never been a moment where the God I serve, the Father who I'm living in, in, in close-knit proximity to, has ever failed. I've said the story before. Um, I was working at Next, I think it was, um, a little Christmas job, uh, again, university times, and they put me, it was in December in Birmingham. Now, December in Birmingham is what we call cold. Okay? It is the definition of cold. It was freezing. Okay, and it was Boxing Day, or no, it was the 27th, because I remember I missed our family out in Birmingham. Um, it was the 27th, and I had to go back to Birmingham, I had to work that day, and they put me on the green zone. The green zone is right by the door. The door is open. And I wasn't wearing no warm clothes, because you're in the uniform, you get me? So, I'm there like, ah, Lord, I've got to be here for two and a half hours. It's cold. Like, the coast is coming, the door is wide open. Christmas sales. And it was, like, early. It was, like, we opened up, like, seven or whatever. So, seven till nine. There wasn't actually that many people in there. So, it's not like I was going to be busy. So, I said, Lord, what do I do? He said, meditate on my word. Okay. So, as I was going around fixing the jackets and the trousers and putting the sales signs and all that stuff, I was meditating. I think it's on Romans 10. There's a scripture where it says... All those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I could not tell you what the rest of that scripture said because I spent two and a half hours just on that bit. All those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what the Lord said? He said, let's talk about all. He said, pick someone. So I was looking as people were walking past. I was like, if that person called upon you, they shall be saved. Someone walked past me. If you call upon the name of the Lord, <laughs> you'd be saved. I started meditating all. And then shall. Do you know the certainty you have to have as God to say, you shall be saved? He's saying, whatever you bring my way, I'm capable. There was no terms and conditions where it says, okay, part A is if it's in this kind of remit, and, and maybe if it only takes me two days, but if it's a job that takes me three to five, I'm not going to be able to do it. No, 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 it's not that. It wasn't fitting into a time scale. Right? My beloved garden, which is in a mess, I, we're trying to get it fixed. You know, I talk about this all the time, innit? <laughs> we had some people come over. He looked at it, gave us a quote. He was like, brilliant. And I said, oh, thank you. Really nice guy. He's like, yeah, you seem like a good guy. I'll give you a discount. I was like, cool, not debating that. And he said, right, so we can only do Saturdays. Well, we went in. So he's like, okay, what about the next Saturday? No, no, we can't do that. When I'm not here. Do and then two days later, he's like, sorry, mate, we're going to have to drop this. I can't do I can't do the job. I would love to. That's not what God is saying. God is not saying, listen, if you get this prayer into me in the next two weeks, I think I can fit you into my schedule. <laughs> and yet we treat him like that. Yeah. And we have these beliefs that indicate that we have some sort of lack of certainty as to his shout. no. It was, shall be saved. And you know what? He said that thousands of years before you even showed up. So this whole, well, maybe it's... No, no. He was certain that whatever problem, even if it is a 2023 in, uh, problem, a problem that never existed before now, let's say it was a pandemic. Um, he, he's like, I can save you. And I shall save you. Shall. 
So I spent two and a half hours just getting excited about all those who call upon... Everyone who called upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved? What is saved? Delivered? Yeah, I went in. <coughs> Guys, this is the confidence we have. One, that he listens. That's the first bridge. The second bridge is that we have. It says here in verse 15, we have granted us as our present possessions. God is able to take something out of eternity and say, this is yours now. Even if you don't see it yet. Even if you don't see it yet. This is yours. The building you're believing for. You got it. There is a location somewhere in this city that has our name on it. Amen. You know what the great thing about it is? If Sheikh Mansour, who owns Man City, right, one of the richest people in the world, if he came and tried to get that building, if God doesn't want him to have it, he ain't going to have it. So money is now not even the problem. It's not about who has the most money, it's about who has God on their side. That should be more exciting. It's not about who has the most money in the bank in terms of who gets that building or not. It's about who God says that building is for. So if he says it's for us, Sheikh Mansour, Bill Gates, pick anyone who's, who's beds on saving him. He can turn around and say, I want it as an Amazon HQ, and it will fall flat on its face. Just like the, 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 the Philistine god, Dagon, when they put the ark in front of the big old statue. And... Time after time, the statue would just be full, full flat on its face. If you read that story, it gets even... Is, I love the story because it's like Jesus, God has a sense of humour. Okay, the first time it fell flat. Second time, the head was cut off. The second time, the head and the fins. It was like, do you want me to keep going? I reckon if they'd done it a hundred times, it would be in splinter dust by now. Right? Because God, he loves to prove himself. He said all these words years before we showed up. He said, guys, you've got this building and you just need to believe that I, I hear you, that I'm listening, and that you have it as a present possession. So when you do that, you're in sync with the word of God. We have granted us as our present possession as the request made of him. Intimacy breeds confidence. Intimacy breeds confidence. And he says it all the time. Yeah, I knew you'd say that. I knew you would have done that. All right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Pfft, I thought you'd crack that joke. Why did she say that? Because intimacy breeds confidence. She knows what I'm like. She knows the stupid jokes I make. She knows my reactions to certain things. She knows when something might trigger me, something might make me upset, something might not. And she can watch. And even before I know, sometimes, she knows. Because intimacy breeds confidence. What would it be like to live in that proximity to Christ that even as I say something, I know it's an amen. Even as I say be healed, I know the answer coming back is yes. But we do have that. See, I don't need to work up into this place of proximity to feel that. The scripture says all the promises of God are what? Yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So I already know the reaction. But I have to have the confidence to be able to pray and say, be healed. It's all well and good watching those videos. All well and good studying A.A. Allen, all these people, John G. Lake, Wigglesworth, all these incredible generals of the faith. 
But like, did he, and I think it was one of the last prayers we had last week. Someone's got to work this stuff. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to actually say, I am so confident in what I have and what I carry and who I know, eternal life. This is it. I, I know him and I know the son. And that has breathed a confidence. And because of the confidence, when leprosy walks in the door, I say, right, it's time. When a wheelchair comes in, when a wheelchair uses is in the, in the house and I'm leading worship, I'm like, well, just let me know when you feel it. And I'm expecting them to stand up. I'm expecting my shadow to heal the sick. I'm expecting my words to release deliverance. That someone can listen to this sermon in 10 years' time and release and have freedom in their marriage, freedom in their workplace. That message, freedom from condemnation, we went and shared it at a different church in exactly the same way. There was freedom released in the house. Why? Because of eternal life. This knowing of the Father and his Son so now the pressure's off me. Because I no longer define myself by the flesh. It's not about how good I speak. It's not about how many analogies I've got. If I give you five points or ten points, that's not how I'm going to convince you of this thing. I fully trust and rely on the Holy Spirit to be able to take my words, plant them in you, and actually make it uh, align with your life and not just my analogies, whatever. But there's something in your life where you needed to hear about confidence and maybe Monday morning or maybe Wednesday or maybe in 10 months' time, you're going to walk into a situation and go, I know that I know. I got it. Maybe you weren't even planning to be here today. God knew. So three, four weeks ago when this message started coming together, he knew someone needed to hear about confidence. I don't even need to know who that person is. He knows. All I need to do is know that he listens and so I ask. Just over a year ago, when this, this physical situation that I'm in when I got that call from the doctors and they were trying to work out what was going on with me, right? And um, the first few months, and I, I share this opening, the first few months were dark. My, I don't know where I was at, living with this pain and the, the migraines and all that stuff. By November, I was probably at my lowest point. And then the Lord began to just show me some things. The first lesson I learned in all of this, was to come closer. The first thing he asked of me was more intimacy. Wherever I was at 18 months ago in my walk with God was not enough to live the past year that I've lived. So he started drawing me into a deeper level of intimacy. Just every time I'd go to pray, we wouldn't even talk about the pain. We wouldn't talk about the doctor's report. Now that I would want to, I said, Lord, but what about? And he said, just come closer. Come closer. Come closer. He did this day after day, week after week. And then I hit a point, I think it might have been January, maybe February, when I was praying in the morning. And I never forget this. I'm sitting there praying. And it's, the presence of God is just thick in the room. And I remember I opened my eyes and I went, <gasps> And I said, Lord, I have no doubt as to your intention towards me. I was like, 
And as I said that, my flesh began to do a little search. It tried to look for doubt. Because you've said something, you put it out there, but come on, you're a man. Of course you must be doubting somewhere. So I looked, and I looked. I looked into my thought life, I looked into my emotions, I looked into there, I looked... And for the first time in my walk, I can say with utter confidence, I had no doubt. Was I in pain? Yeah. I was in pain. I've got the meds in my bag. I've got, I've got enough to knock out a horse in that bag. But I have no doubt as to his intention towards me. I am the healed of the Lord. And I don't say that just to get reactions, but I say it because it, out of intimacy, the confidence I had was so strong that I was like, I don't doubt him. I have no doubt as to his intentions towards me. Okay, Dave, let's break it down. You must get frustrated, though. Yes, I do. But where in times past you'd get these moments, you know when, you know, if you ever prayed through a situation... I wake up with a migraine or whatever, and the frustration would say, oh, man, again? But that doesn't lead me into, again, maybe he doesn't want to heal me. That's doubt. Now it's, again, oh, Father, I know you've got me. It literally is the next thing I say. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm saying it so that you know it's possible because I've lived it over the past six, seven months. It is possible to get to a place where you have a confidence and assurance, a privilege of boldness that he listens to you and that you have what you've asked for as your present possessions. So I'm there in those frustrating moments and it constantly leads me back to him. And that's how I know the, the doubt thing has been dealt with. There are other things to deal with and the Lord has been talking to me about warfare, talking to me about pride and, and all these different things that this whole journey has revealed but the first lesson I had to go get through was coming closer to him so that I might have the confidence I had no doubt so now I see this situation through the lens of eternal life through the lens of my intimate knowledge of the father and his son that's what it means. When I say I'm looking at it through eternal life, I'm looking at this situation from a position of I know who he is and I know the son. And I'd rather spend more time talking about that than anything else. So time and time again, my time of prayer, the starting point always is intimacy. As it always should be for all of us. Okay? Okay? We have been given over to eternal life. And as a result, we now can have the confidence. My last scripture. John 17. Going back to John 17. Verse 26.
So this is Jesus ending his prayer. Remember, it started off with a definition of what eternal life is. Started off with him saying, eternal life is the continuous revelation, the experience of having lived life with the Father and his Son, whom he has sent. And he ends it with this statement. He says, I have made your name known to them and revealed your character and your very self. And I will continue to make you known that the love which you have bestowed upon me may be in them, felt in their hearts, and that I myself may be in them. If you're going to end a prayer, that is how you end a prayer. (laughs) Jesus says, I have made your name, Father. I have made it known to them. This is him at the end of his life. So if there is any remaining confusion, I dealt with it. I spent these past three years making sure there is utter clarity as to who you are. And I will continue to do that. Okay, we know that through the work of the Spirit. Why? So that the love that you've bestowed upon me may be in them. We know that from verse 22. Talks about that, the glory, doesn't it? and that I myself may be in them. The revelation of God's character in his self to us enthrones Jesus within our hearts. If you're, if you're looking at a situation and there's a lack of clarity, find the revelation of the Father, and all of a sudden you'll see the Son become enthroned in the midst of that situation. when I got that phone call from the doctor, there was a lot, a lot of confusion, a lot of grey area. I didn't know what was going on, didn't know how it was going to end. I thought, some, I thought I was like, oh, okay, Lord, is this it? Is this it for the rest of my life? Am I going to be one of them people with that story? I spoke to a few individuals that I know and trust. They gave me their different spin on it from their own experiences and from what they've seen in the scripture. And that was all well and good. But that still wasn't enough. Even listening to some of these individuals who, if I said their names, you'd be like, oh, wow, that's who you're talking to about this. That, their words, wasn't enough. I still went into a dark, deep place in November. What brought me out was the revelation of the Father. When all of a sudden, having come close, I then saw, you are good. And you will always be good to me. So it actually doesn't matter how much pain I'm in. doesn't matter how long this pain stays. doesn't matter whether it lifts tomorrow. I hope it lifts tomorrow. I wouldn't wish this on anyone. But regardless of all of that, I have seen your name. And as your name has been revealed, Jesus has now been enthroned in the midst. And let me tell you from experience, there is no greater place to be than to be able to look at a situation and see Jesus enthroned in the middle of it. Thank you, Father. The challenge for us now is to assess our lives and go, okay, which situation doesn't have him enthroned? In which situation do I not have confidence? The absolute assurance. The same way I am confident that if I jump, I come back down to the earth, 
the same assurance I have of my own name. If I can't say I have that assurance, if not more, regarding the situation and his plan for that situation, I need to find it. And the way to find it is through eternal life, through the knowledge of the Father and his Son. Intimacy breeds confidence. Eternal life breeds intimacy. Just very quietly, let's just pray in the Spirit. Jesus, I have taught, now we're going to wait. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Jesus. Confidence, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. She let a little bubble bubble, I see a colored in a washroom. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Son of God, be glorified. There's, um, just as we're praying, there's two things that are coming to me. There's someone in here with a uh, situation to do with their family. And I keep seeing, it's like a circle of idols that have been raised up over time. And this is not to condemn you, but I also saw these idols crashing down, okay? That the Lord may be enthroned in the middle of that. There are certain personalities in your family who have defined the conversation even beyond the grave. But it's time for that voice to be silenced. Decisions have been made with people in mind and situations in mind and convenience in mind and not the will of God. So the Lord said it's time for those idols to, to bow and to be crushed and to never be enthroned again. And the second thing I saw is someone's on a journey, but it's a repeated journey, a journey you've been on multiple times you walk down a particular road multiple times and every time you get to a particular point there's words that come out from your past and stop you from progressing and you turn back or even in some situations you've, you've set up camp for years because of words that others have spoken And even now I see those words flying at you in the spirit. Sentences hurtling towards you. But the Lord is raising up angels on either side to turn back those words. You remember the Ark? The Ark of the Covenant had the cherubim um, and their, their wings extended towards one another. And they, they, I don't know if they touched or not, but they extended towards each other. I saw angels extending their wings over you turn towards each other around you to not only deflect those words from penetrating your heart and soiling the purity of your pursuit and your journey but also to provide you a safe haven in the presence of God if, that, if you are that person please read Psalms 91 and take it to heart there's a scripture in, in Psalms 91 where it says Yourself will be inaccessible as you witness the reward of the wicked. Only a spectator you shall be, yourself inaccessible in the presence of God, as you witness the reward of the wicked. So allow his angels to 
as they say, canvas around you to bring you into a place of protection of his presence. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. presence of the Lord is in this place. Oh, the presence of the Lord is in this place. I saw says yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, so says yes, 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 oh, the presence of the Lord is in this place. Thank you, Father. That's it. Gaze face to face. That's it. Lift your eyes. Trust me, I've been in some valleys over the past year. I've been in some valleys and I've watched Goliath and I've listened to him with his accusations. And I've also experienced how the Lord can lift up your eyes to the hills from whence your help comes. Your help cometh from the Lord. Father, lift up our eyes. By the power of your Holy Spirit, lift up our eyes so that we may see where our help comes from. Lift our eyes and cause them to be fixed. Cause them to remain. Send assistance, Lord, even as you sent it to Moses to lift his arms and to keep them raised that the victory may be won in the valley. Father God, so we ask that you cause our eyes to be lifted and for them never, ever, ever to be lowered. Father, we refuse. We refuse to look at things on a purely earthly standpoint. As Elisha said to his, and he prayed for his servant, Lord, open the eyes of the young man that he may see. And the scripture says the eyes of the young man were open and he saw that there were more for him than ever could be arrayed against him. Open our eyes, Father. Lift them that we may see there are more for us than ever could be arrayed against us. And Father, we ask that as, we are, as our eyes are lifted towards you, as we engage and live out this eternal life, knowing you, <coughs> the Father and your Son, that you begin to breed a confidence, the privilege of boldness, that we adjust our posture, that we arise, we get up with a newness of life and shine with the brightness of a new light, for the glory of the Lord shall be seen upon us. For we know that darkness shall cover the earth, indeed great darkness, for the glory of the Lord shall be seen upon us. Kings will come to the brightness of our rising. 
Kings shall come to the brightness of your rising. Kings shall come to the brightness of your rising. There are industry leads who are about to pay attention to your work, to, to your portfolio of work. Some of you are about to garner attention from people on the top floor, in those corner offices, the power brokers that you've maybe lived in, in the shadow of or maybe you've lived intimidated by. The Lord is sending secular kings to come and witness the brightness of your rising. Father, we receive it. We receive it. And even now, Father God, there's a, there's a meeting about to happen, Father God. And the senses in my spirit, there's a meeting about to happen about this building that we want. Somewhere, I think it's a council and a church body are making a decision about a building. They'll make the decision and the building will wait for us. And we shall inherit that which you have already given to us as a present possession. Blessed be your name, Father. Son of God, be glorified. Son of God, be glorified. Be lifted up. Be enthroned in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Father. I'm done. Thank you, Father. Amen. Guys, there was just before. Said something. There's literally a release happening. I don't know if you guys can feel it. And I usually get these, I start to feel these tingles or whatnot. But of late, I've been feeling them come and go. And just as we finished praying there, I felt something leave me. And I don't say that just to imitate my beloved Saviour, but. I really want whoever received anything in that prayer to really be obsessive about it over the next few days and really commit it to your heart. Don't let this just be another Sunday morning where you heard a good word and you got some tingles down your spine and then you went home and nothing had changed. Really, really, really hold it. Pray into it. Celebrate it. Rejoice over it. Even if you haven't seen it yet. Because I know with absolute certainty that God has done something in someone's life, if not all of us. I think that's it. Over to you. Amen.
It's not for everybody. Go read the word of God. It's no joke. But it's for us. It's for you. It's for me. It's for those that believe. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Have a great week. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 